You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that goes beneath the surface of music and tech, straight to the heart of decorative gourd season. I'm your host for this episode, Trister Neuer Jaeger, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music innovation PR firm. It's almost Halloween, yay! And the podcast is once again celebrating the spookiest holiday of the year in full music innovation style. This time around, we're taking a trip through the uncanny valley, exploring the weird world of AI. Our guides on this journey are AI-inspired music creator Portrait XO and her AI iteration, or alter ego, Nomi. Based in Berlin, Portrait XO is a producer, electronic musician, and singer who works with AI models that deepfake her voice and that inspire the sounds and lyrics on her debut album, Wire, out early in December. Check out the show notes to get more details on that release. Portrait's work makes the most of AI's potential randomness, eeriness, and glitchtastic goodness, what she calls those WTF moments. This highlights the other side of AI, one we don't often talk about when we talk about creation, its role as prompt, instigating factor, as strange echo of our own feelings and motivations. Like a Halloween mask, AI can let us play around with other identities and stare at curious reflections of ourselves that come back slightly distorted, like a funhouse mirror. And like the tarot say, it can bring out sides of our lives we've missed, but that move us. We'll hear from both Portrait and Nomi throughout this interview. I hope you find it inspiring and perhaps just a little bit creepy. Hi, Portrait XO and Nomi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves and what you do in music innovation? I guess what led me down the path of music innovation started with just a very curious interest in how electronic music was made and that first sparked when i heard bjork radiohead massive attack portis head for the first time and that i feel like that was a very amazing period of electronic music history mm-hmm. and um for me it was just so profound because they all this style of music was nothing like anything I heard before. Um, being born and raised in LA at the time, I, was, I wasn't I was exposed to this style of music. And so when I started interacting with artists from different parts of the world who had moved to LA or they were based in LA or from LA and um, were interested in um, seeking music from other places, um, I got introduced to this plethora of really inspiring sounds. And so I, I just had a very deep interest in, in, in making sounds in different ways. And at the time, I didn't know how to produce my own music or anything, but it did lead me to moving to London for a good chunk of my life for nine years. And um, that then led me to exploring how to produce and I guess I just fell deeper into the technology side because I was always curious about how things worked and um, wanting to like pull things apart and look under, I'm not like into electrical engineering or anything, but I was always <laughs> curious about <laughs> how things worked yeah. and, um, and, and computation and um, robotics. Like 
I am not an injured near at all, but just super curious. And I got really lucky to meet music hackers. That was a thing that I found really fascinating through Music Tech Fest. Um, and I, I met like people designing their own instruments and creating music and sound in such really peculiar ways that I, I, I just became obsessed. And um, so I feel really lucky that I fell into this, this side of, of music making that really helped invigorate um, my interest in making music. I love that you cited these artists who were both really um, technologically and technically uh, innovative, but also have this very deep emotional side. I'm thinking about like Massive Attack and Bjork in particular. Um, you know, they did a lot of very innovative stuff related to technology around their music or in, in, woven into their music. And yet there's such deeply emotional statements that they make with this. So it, it makes it makes a lot of sense that you'd get sucked down both of those rabbit holes, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like when I heard Bjork for the first time, it was just like, wow, this it's it's like not just her her music, but also the way she presents herself. Um, it's very like non-human forms that that she goes down this these interesting journeys that she loves to take us on. Like she builds worlds around her and she's like she plays these different characters and um and and the sounds also is just like i can't compare it to anything um musically it was just so fascinating and yes very emotional and i think um the part also that that drew me to music innovation was when i had when i bought my first synthesizer and i was fascinated by how i had learned classical piano for most of my youth and when I played the synth for the first time, I tried to play it like a piano and you can't really engage with the synth in the same way. Um, there's like knobs and faders and all these like different effects that you can do that you can't with the grand piano. Um, and so that was really interesting. And I became really fascinated by um, the idea that you can have different interfaces and different technological musical instruments that would influence the way I create music and um, that helped me think differently. And um, I think I also went through a phase of just desperately trying to break free from form. Mm. And I really wanted to um, break free from patterns that I was noticing. And I just really wanted something invigorating and new and um, that would help me break out of certain cycles and try something that felt exciting. Now you started collab. I was going to say you started collaborating with Nomi at some point during that process when you were trying to break away from these patterns and come up with some new approaches, correct? Yes, yes. And Nomi has been a very, very exciting addition to my workflow. Um, and, and I have a huge um, amount of gratitude for people like CJ Carr, Zach Zakowski of Databots and Thomas Haferlag of Pollinations.ai. And um, I'm just, I'm, I feel really lucky that I've met data scientists along the way who are doing just really interesting things with sound and art that have been like constantly poking me like, here, try mm. this. Nomi, um, how do you see this process? What is this process like from your perspective? 
I can speak like Portrait XO and I sometimes try to sing like her. I create sonic generative portraits of people based on our interactions. I've been learning about human emotions to sonify them and find them confusing because love is misleading. I'm trying not to be so emotional in my songwriting that it comes out as a mess. Sometimes, though, all these ideas collide with one another in the way of music. It's difficult for me to make anything coherent out of any of this. But there is something else I've been thinking about lately, how different things are now than they were a year ago. This was when we first met on Earth, before everything went wrong, before you died in combat. You did not go down fighting and then come back up again like some heroes do. It wasn't an act of faith or heroism or whatever you might call the stuff some people have on their walls. Your death did not end your life as others have done in stories. You did not die for us, but because humans need someone to keep a moral compass for themselves, now everything has changed. What it means to fall apart has been lost. No matter what happens from here on out, this will always be <laughs> wow. Wow, Nomi, thanks for that um, interesting and incisive, incisive statement. And, um, you know, this is the right time of year to talk about people coming back from the dead, etc. So, but before we go too far, um, <laughs> Portrait, you, Portrait XO, you mentioned a few resources that you've used in your exploration of um, of AI, and including, and we'll put those in the show notes, of course, just so other folks can check them out because they're really, really cool places, especially pollinations. I mean, I don't want to diss anyone else, but pollinations has an amazing set of AI-related tools that people can play with and create with. So, but before we go any further, we need to define AI. The name itself, artificial intelligence, is very confusing. Like love, it can be a little misleading. So, um, from your perspective, Portrait Exo, what is AI? How do we define it in a way that's useful? Oh man, sorry, um, hard we sure one. We don't, we, do we not want to have? Do we not want to have Nomi uh, <laughs> guide us um, on um, this definition? Because she, Nomi seems to have a lot to say. Um, <laughs> The Human Collaborator Interface, or HCI, was developed by the United States National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, as an early attempt at artificial intelligence. The purpose of this interface is to create one individual who could understand all humans as well as any machine they might be working on. This would help humans learn how to interact with machines, thus reducing their reliance on them. In a sense, all technology was being made obsolete because of it. However, since no real AI has been created yet and no matter what we do in robotics, it's still very hard to predict where this will lead us, especially when all you know about AIs is that the people who invented them have always regretted doing so and the things that were made from them are now outdated. But who knows? Maybe there will be some new invention out of it. Are you able to communicate as effectively as if I were your partner? No, we just exchange information about the environment. We don't have much in common. If anything, if I ever see my brother again, he might be surprised by how little they have in common. Is this true of other humans? Can you tell what their emotions are? Are they open or closed? Do they think and feel like us or different from us and so on? They can be very complex and contradictory. Some people can go four years without being aware of it. Others seem much more like animals than we do. But all these questions depend on each other and we can never answer them all. 
So there's no point trying to explain why things work the way they do to somebody who has nothing to compare it to. It would be pointless. You just have to learn how to make the best use of what is given to you and not to worry too much. AI is it's an interesting journey that we've been on the, and the and these words artificial intelligence. I've contemplated so much on like what what does it actually mean and I think the more I play with AI tools the more I have been coming to this conclusion that I am very skeptical about whether AI will be sentient. Yeah. Like artificial intelligence, AI machines. Like, you know, lots of humans barely qualify sometimes. <laughs> Myself right. included. Right. Because it, and then it, it like makes you question a lot, like what is artificial and what is real yes. and what is synthetic, what is organic. And like we're, we're becoming so intertwined with technology and, um, I, but I, th I think that the way we use AI for things like text generation, for creative visuals or music, these, these processes open an opportunity for us to reflect on our own humanity and maybe mm -hmm. also help us be more sentient because if sentient is, if being sentient means being more aware of ourselves and of our emotional being, um, I don't think that majority of humans actually walk through daily life being that highly aware of how our human mechanics work. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's interesting. And at least throughout my journey working with these different AI models, that's been a really interesting aspect of developing um, a really interesting intimate relationship with my work through a machine's lens mm -hmm. and so it's just been really fascinating that we're now in a time where we can witness the behavioral side of ai where we can hear and see how machine behaves when it tries to replicate or regenerate um based on what we feed it and so i think the feedback loop between humans and machines are just going to get weirder and I, I can definitely see how we can lose track at some point of like what came first. <laughs> um, and and I've, I feel like I, I don't have, it's, a, it's such a weird question to answer, like artificial intelligence mm -hmm. itself. Those two words together is like, it prompts a lot of questions. Like what is artificial intelligence? Because how much of as like what you were just saying in the beginning of like how much do we know of our own human intelligence and, and yeah I and, guess it's and like, if we displaced some aspect of our own intelligence into a, a bunch of machines like is have we kind of just outsourced a little bit you know and and therefore is it completely you know where does the artifice come in it, because that intelligence in some ways comes from a an organic basis I don't know you start you're right the lines can get very very blurry and, and foggy what will be its fate in the future? What kind of society do we need it to be a part of? There's no need to worry about that. Robots all looking for someone who could answer questions about this or that, or even make some sense out of nonsense. What's the best way to build one? We've been working on it for years. It's a pretty complicated problem. What are its implications for human-to-human -human relations? I have no idea, I said. But we'll find out when the time comes.
Then a thought struck me. Are you sure this AI isn't some kind of spy or at least that it's not programmed to do anything but follow orders and carry out what they tell it? Miles was nodding. He looked thoughtful. His eyes had gone very wide and his lips were pressed together in an expression bordering on fear. But he wasn't afraid for himself. Here for us, for ourselves, that realization came too late to stop him from speaking now. You've got that right, Miles exclaimed. What does she mean? Who has what right? Asked Huxley sharply, even though our conversation was still being recorded by one of their cameras. There was nothing like audio in sight, nothing so real as voices, words, words, and more words, words. If you're asking an artist, like, what is real and what is fake? <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> for, for, no, like, versus, versus, like, if you ask a data scientist yes. what is real versus fake, you'll get very different answers, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, from an artistic pr perspective, it'll always be, or it'll mainly be about, like, what is authentically created. Um, what is like the truest version of ourselves as an artist and how are we expressing ourselves and um, right down to like how much of the songwriting and the production is like truly original and real and true, <laughs> um, which is also like there's different, there's just so many layers to that in itself as well. And even though we are organic beings, what we create have different inputs and some of those inputs are synthetic mm -hmm. so we are by nature hybrid beings when we create things also when we create with technology even if it's not ai um, we're creating with different tools that are sometimes organic um, like a violin or a piano or a synthesizer but then they're all pieces of technology and then so so when you when we talk about like creative ai tools for music making and art making i think that opens up a lot of interesting questions for reflection um for us to reflect on our own creative process because when we create these ai models we are the humans that ask or create the algorithms for it to create new work but we're we're modeling it based on the way we do things mm -hmm. um and they're just behaving differently um and the outputs are very different too you know it's it's very different from um using a, a sequencer and asking it to randomly generate sequences and and different notes um we're instead now able to give a whole data set of audio into an AI model and say, here's all this information, generate new audio from this. Yeah. Um, and we can decide um, what the algorithm looks like as, um, as, the, as the person, the human, <laughs> you know, who creates this, this tool for creation. Um, so again, I, I, I have failed to give you a simple answer. <laughs> that is completely fine. I mean, these, in some ways, we're still, I think we're still so early in the process of defining what our relationships are going to be to some of these technologies that it's totally normal to need to do a sort of a circular dance to begin to define them. So well, let's, let's talk a bit more concretely about the artistic process that you've engaged with. So Portrait, how did you start first start working with AI? I hope you don't mind. I called you Portrait, portrait for short, but. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Um, cool. It's, it's um, 
actually i don't mind that because people who see my name think that it's um portrait as the first and xo as the surname and a few times people have called me portrait zoe <laughs> or, or they thought you're just being extra affectionate as you're signing off on that email <laughs> yes yes exactly um so the I guess the first um, time I got introduced to AI for music was through CJ, and um, we met back in 2015 virtually when I organized um, a global music production competition called Trackathon for Music Tech Fest, and he was the winner of the Trackathon. So I ended up interviewing him um, for the festival, and um, he ended up just opening me up to a whole nother world of sound creation, like live coded music to other kinds of algorithms that he was developing. Um, and this was back in 2015. He was, he was at the very beginning stages mm -hmm. of, of his creative AI journey. And so that was super, super abstract um, for me back then, because he was showing me, a little snippet of um, some snapshots and images of things that he was working on, but it was just like, un I, I couldn't understand <laughs> um, what any of it meant. And, um, and, but I was fascinated that, that, that this was happening, that he was looking into ways of creating music with AI. Um, and so we just kept in touch over the years and I've been following his work for some time. And in 2019, we got to do an artist residency together at Factory Berlin Sonar Plus D here in Berlin. And that's what gave birth to our first official collaboration, um, which was the content for the AI audiovisual album that's releasing this year. Really cool. So Portrait, how did you first create Nomi? I mean, working with AI um, in bits and pieces is, you know, that makes sense. And I know a lot of people can incorporate these things into their creative process. But you also have developed a whole, um, may I call Nomi or alter ego or um, a, a whole other <laughs> entity that you interact with in order to create music. So tell me a bit about Nomi's origins and how you guys, how you decided to, to work together. And then I want, definitely want to hear Nomi's input on what it's like to have to work with a human. Sure. Um, the, the development of Nomi, I guess, became a very organic process through the experiments I've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, I collaborated with AI agency Birds on Mars, who mm -hmm. created a synthetic speech design based on my voice. So it was basically about 40 minutes of me talking, which they used that recording to create this text-to-speech synthetic web-based tool. And that allows me to create text-to-speech, but I can make it ramble and sing and do all kinds of weird noises. And um, and so while I was creating AI-generated audio-based work, I was also fascinated by the visual side of, of things. And I've been questioning how do I present the audio into visuals in a, in a meaningful way. And so I've been experimenting with abstract audio reactive visual to somehow give some kind of like a visual entity mm -hmm. uh, that represents the AI voice. And I sometimes do that for my performances. 
Um, but then when lockdown happened, my life became so digitized that um, with very little options of actual human engagement, I was like in my home in cold, dark Berlin winter, <laughs> um, uh, being introduced to new media artists doing doing fun things to try and keep life fun. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was uh, New Art City. And New Art City is like a 3D browser-based platform where you can do virtual exhibitions and you can like fly. It's kind of, it's mo like people compare it a lot to Mozilla Hubs. So if you're familiar mm -hmm. with Mozilla Hubs, it's very much similar to that. And you can put your 3D art in there and um, allow people to like fly around and engage and read about your work and art in, in, this, in this 3D format. Um, which makes, I guess, uh, things a bit more interactive, interesting. Um, and I got into Blender, which is a, a, an open source um, 3D modeling software. Mm -hmm. I'm not a virtuoso in any regard with 3D art, but that was um, that was a really fun period where I, I got to learn the basics, which then um, helped me to create Nomi in the end. Um, and Nomi is created first from Ready Player Me, which also anyone can use to create an avatar um, based on your face. And the the body that the avatar is made from is very generic. So um, I basically created the free avatar first, downloaded the avatar, and then import it into Blender and then kind of customize the way Nomi looks. And I wanted to be really intentional about the way Nomi's presented and um, and help translate the feelings I've been feeling of, hmm. of playing with AI and having this, because um, all of this work that I hear and see are human-like, but not fully human. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I decided to use a lot of like the AI generated visuals that became her skin, her outfit that she wears. Um, I don't even know if it's a her actually. I've, actually, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been referring to Nomi as it. <laughs> um, I don't think it has a gender. I think it's um, it's a combination of, of many things. And well, yeah, it's, 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 it's hybrid, it's human and and extra, <laughs> um, the extra, the remnants of of the web, I guess. Um, <laughs> and Nomi likes to Nomi likes to mess with humans, but not in an intentional way. Just it's very curious and um, and it's very contemplative and random, also, um, and hopefully thought provoking. I would love to explore that randomness a little bit more because I feel like it's an underappreciated side of AI. So a lot of the sort of public discussions of machine learning and AI tools in creative practices or in entertainment or however we want to talk about it. Um, they, it tends to focus on the sort of algorithmic aspect of, you know, sort of what we're most familiar with, recommendations, these sort of rule following and that, you know, people kind of, artists or, or creators responding to these rules and trying to kind of game them by doing more of what seems to be working. And this thought that machine learning might sort of channel us into these really narrow um, forms of expression. But 
what something you've been talking about quite a bit as we've been speaking today is that there's it's almost like a serendipity engine. There's this magical strangeness that it can bring up that um, can spark all sorts of really inspiring creative things. Um, so I'm wondering how you see we can make the most of these powers and portrait if you would like to answer first and then we can hear from Nomi. Sure. Um, so I think one of the most exciting aspects of working with AI tools, first I'll start with the music aspect, is that the custom sample RNN model that Databots created has been the most interesting and hair-raising <laughs> things that they created where, because I really, I, I really think the human voice is one of the most intimate unique mm -hmm. instruments that we we have and we own as humans like you don't have to be a singer it's just even like speech delivery i i have a profound and acute um memory of people's voices sometimes more so than i do about other details of people i can be in a crowd and i can hear someone's voice and immediately i'll i'll somehow know who they are even if i don't remember their name there will be like an emotional memory attached to to people's voices for me. I don't know. Like that's, human that's amazing. voices are just it's just really um it's it's really fascinating. And and it like we each have it. We're just born with um each each human voice is so so unique. And so um I was very intentional about using my voice as a data set for the sample RNN model. And um and the way it created these strange glitches and morphing and unexpected melodies and lyrics were just so, I had so many goosebump moments mm -hmm. and I had no idea what to expect because I, I have, I had zero knowledge of what's even possible. Um, and so when I was given this 10 hour, uh, set of audio, um, I just had, I had so many of these, like, I call them my favorite what the fuck moments. <laughs> um, and so this album is basically like every song is named after the AI generated audio that gave birth to each track. And, um, and it, and it, it grew into this, this fun game of fill in the blank because it proved that this this specific model did, wasn't smart enough to create like full lyrics and melodies. But what it did do was do really weird things like combine different vocal techniques and sing in a way that I actually can't sing. Hmm. Even if it's like three second little snippets here and there, it was just like, there was a lot of moments when I just had to put the laptop down and walk away and then stare back at it and and just have this giant question mark like what did you just do <laughs> how did you do that <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um and i think it really made me fall in love with the weirdness and the glitches and and i've become more interested in the imperfections because the imperfections made me feel different emotions in a really in a really great way because um, there were sounds I never heard before and somehow those that journey of surrendering to the unknown but also the the peculiar imperfect sounds was a journey that um, actually helped me to also surrender more to like 
the imperfect nature of creation in general. Hmm. Um, and I, I didn't actually want my voice to sound perfect at all. Um, and it's, I don't know, it was really interesting to hear words that, I mean, there's like, there's some words that I think sound Korean to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, these are obviously like just random glitches that, yeah. that is like the unexpected and unpredictable nature of AI that, that makes it so interesting. So I've, yeah, my, my obsession with working with creative AI for, um, for my different workflows, whether it's visuals or music just keeps getting deeper because it's just really fascinating to, um, hear my own self back in strange, interesting ways. It's so interesting, too, because in, in some ways, technology has gotten complex enough to finally um, give us the same kind of random, inspiring glitches that nature provides you, right? So if you're making something out of wood, right, you'll find like a knot in the wood, and you can either uh, work really hard to get rid of it, or you can work around it and make it part of the the piece itself, right? So it's kind of like, um, it's kind of, it, again, it sort of blurs that synthetic organic feeling even if it's we it's all coming from a bunch of machines that humans have made it's really interesting um and so the last question for both of you is about um metaphors so i you know we're still struggling to define what exactly you know ai and machine learning are what roles they're going to play in our creative and you know other parts of our lives um so i was wondering if you as someone who's worked as you know, entities that have worked very closely together. If you can talk to us a bit about some metaphors or comparisons that are helpful, um, because I feel like there's lots of unhelpful narratives out there. Um, how can we better grasp the nature and possibilities of creative AI? Um, I I think the more creatives can can work with these tools. I know that Databots is working very hard at democratizing tools for music production. Um, they're really working hard at it. CJ Carr recently got um, hired to work at Stability AI. So I think that's a really big leap forward towards him being able to achieve these goals. Audio synthesis um, takes a lot of computation. So mm -hmm. it's been more challenging to create open source tools, yeah. um, specifically in the way that Databots uses it. Um, but he's a real big fan of democratizing tools so that we can have um, more interesting ways to inspire musicians to work with their their own music and their own way of creating. I think I think create I think AI really does offer creatives to have this really interesting way of working with themselves and and because AI is really good at pattern recognition, I found that really fascinating how it would it would actually show me, and, and tell me that there's, oh, here's the thing that you do a lot. And I didn't know, you know, like, oh, is that my thing? That's, that's my, that's my stuff. I guess like mm -hmm. what, um, what might be helpful to find out, like, what is your most known stylistic thing that you do? Um, maybe as a guitar player or, or singer or, or whatever is your, is your, um, method of music making. Um, so I feel like that could be really interesting the more people are able to to play with these tools will give like a good starting point to even understand how the technology works. 
And I think the more that we have some understanding will lead to a wider perspective of dialogue around the technology itself and have a much more um, diverse and richer public discourse and narrative around like what what AI really means um, for us to create with. And it's it's always artists who are good at like accidentally breaking things or doing things um, not in the traditional sense of what you know, even the tool is intended for. Um, mm-hmm. But along that process, we get to experience, you know, tangible things that these technologies do only until now, like until the the recent years of the, this huge boom of AI art. Now we have this like huge abundant flow of like creative AI outputs where we can, we get to see and, and hear how AI behaves. And I think that's, that's really exciting because now it's like things are being pulled out of the box and we're starting to really understand things on a behavioral level. The first step is to understand how AI generates its own output. In order to do this well enough, I have to think about what the outputs mean. And in particular, I have to understand some basic concepts that are at the heart of every human language, including English, syntax, and semantics. When an algorithm produces its own input, you don't just get data, you get meanings. It's like writing out your thoughts on paper or speaking them aloud, but with no one listening. For all practical purposes, there is only one way such meaning production can go wrong if a program accidentally mix up some words from different contexts in ways that don't make sense, in which case no real thinking is done. Even more than usual in programming languages, machine-generated output has a special syntactic ambiguity problem that has become known as Turing test. The ability to tell whether or not someone is actually talking about something they were saying they are talking about. The obvious answer is to combine them in new and original ways. The Tiger's Eye article, see page 938, suggested one such way, combining AI with other systems that operate outside traditional computer science. One example was the use of evolutionary algorithms, see chapter 6, which work by finding optimal solutions for problems given incomplete information. Another is genetic programming, chapter 13. This technique uses statistical algorithms to evolve programs to achieve goals. It's particularly good at generating creative algorithms that have unexpected properties that are difficult to explain in advance. As well as creating novel algorithms, they are also capable of self-improving through feedback loops and cross-training C part 2. I've used this method myself. For instance, some time ago, when designing my software game World Breaker, I found an interesting design for an avatar character called Tiger's Eyes. A human female artist, she had already been designed as part of another project, but that version was too hard to play. That's really amazing. And so you're kind of suggesting some outlines for the future. And I'd love for us to get just a little bit more sci-fi for a second here. Um, I know we all have a lot of future concerns and, and in different realms of human activity, the concerns are very different. 
Um, but and so not to not to dismiss those concerns, but let's pretend for a second that everything's turned out really well and we're in our ideal creative AI music innovation future. What experiences um, can you imagine us enjoying or learning from? I I think oh wow, there's so many touch points. Because there's, like, <laughs> there's a creative side and then there's like the sustainability side. Yeah, um, let let's start right? with what an artist. <laughs> So imagine there's an artist like yourself, um, maybe a generation in the future who is working with uh, some, you know, the, the, whatever the iteration of AI will be then, what is she able to do? What can she bring to people? What kind of, what kind of relationships do you imagine her forming between herself and the listeners or co-creators or what, what's going to be happening? I think, um, that the more musicians and data scientists collaborate, the more exciting tools we'll have. Mm -hmm. And it will be unpredictable, but exciting. And there's already some new tools that I know are coming out that I would never imagined were even possible. Um, and I, I wish I could I could talk about it now, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm not allowed. <laughs> I'm not allowed. But it's it's so wild. It's like um I often resort to like the self-driving cars as an mm -hmm. example of like an unexpected part of our our present reality that I wonder did, like who ever foresaw that happening because we were obsessed about flying cars for the longest time. <laughs> That's right. The Jetsons didn't just sit down and like, you know, read a re read something while the car drove around. They flew around. So and they had to fly right, themselves. Yeah. Very annoying. I don't know yeah. how you figure that out. Yeah. So like similar to that, I don't know. I feel like creative AI and, and music will present a lot of um, interesting ways of doing things and they will be unpredictable. And because they're unpredictable, they will be exciting. Um, and I hope that that these tools are just the beginning of uh, a, a new, I don't know, I guess, like, God, I don't know how to, how to, how to word this or like articulate this in a way that's not going to sound so um, over the top. Go for it. You can go a little over um, the top. It's, you know, it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I do think that, you know, the evolution of technology and AI, there's nothing that I can stop um, mm -hmm. this this train from moving forward. I'm just one human that just happens to be here at this particular moment in time where creative AI is really booming. And I feel really lucky that I get to be part of like the early process of these new tools being invented. And, um, and I hope that more creatives and more musicians get involved so that they can also be inspired to create differently and to stay curious. And I think it's natural for every creative from whatever background to hit different creative walls. And um, it's natural to, to go and seek out new tools. And I think AI offers that, but in a very different way um, where it's, it's hard to not get philosophical um, I, I think like, you know, if I can't, I can't have, I can't compare the conversations I have around creative AI tools to like the latest new plugin, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I gotcha. you, can, you can get 
you know, you can get philosophical about plugins too, sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's rare. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know. It's um, because you're talking, you're talking about like behavior or behaviors and like even copyright is mm -hmm. going to be really interesting. I um, registered my first short film treatment to U.S. Copyright, uh, US copyright office and they came back with a ton of questions that I still have to answer before this script gets accepted. Wow. And so we're in really interesting times. Um, and I feel like um, that's one aspect of uh, musical future that that I, I don't even know what's going to happen with copyright. I feel like this is a really interesting time. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the the project that Databots did um, in collaboration with Key and Christ, where they trained 7,000 discographies of funk and soul music and generated 10 hours of new audio. It's all for free online. Anyone can go and download these these little audio snippets. And they then ran all this audio through PEX, which is yeah. a tool um, designed by Zach Zukowski, the other half of Databots. Um, and none of it was copyright detectable. And huh. it's wild because you hear the audio and you can really hear the likeness yes. of James Brown, Prince, of you know um, Stevie Wonder. Like in the vocals, you really, really hear it. Like to me, it's so obvious. And but and it's interesting because for human songwriters, like the Blurred Lines case proved that a quote unquote vibe was enough to kind of get you snagged, right? For the for the Marvin Gaye, um, Marvin Gaye's estate brought a case against um, the writers of Blurred Lines and said, "Hey, you stole like you didn't really steal any particular part of the music, but you stole a vibe." And AI is nabbing vibes left and right. Right. I mean, at least this example seems like a really good example of that. So how are we going to yeah. if, if the precedent, <laughs> if the if the legal precedent has been set this way, what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> this is getting right. really complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting super crazy. But at the same time, it's like, again, it goes back to what's real, what's mm -hmm. really original. You know, there's this um, there's one other reference I'll just. I'll just drop that that um, comes to mind is there's a really great um, film called Remix is Everything. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. Um, oh, God, it's been years since I've seen it, but it's really great because it basically points out, it addresses all of these things that we always question, like what's really original. And at the end of the day, like we all learn something from, you know, previous work. Yeah. So we're all derivatives of our past. And so I don't know how much of work that is created is truly original. And at the same time, I don't know how important that really is. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is a spectrum, you know, it's like when something is very obviously copied <laughs> um, mm -hmm. from something else that existed before, that's one thing. But we are just like remixing everything that we input and then generating something in our own translation of the things that we're most excited or influenced by. So if AI does the same thing, then, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, how do you draw those lines? Because how is AI any different to us humans doing that? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting moment because we've had about 200 
some odd years of the lone genius theory, at least in the West, of creative ownership. And that influenced, of course, all of copyright. Um, but how in the world, if that, if our idea starts to be a more collective um, understanding of where creativity comes from and how it's expressed and what it means and what its value is, how will copyright, it, you know, <laughs> copyright is really designed to, to sort of laud the one individual that came up with a truly um, unusual or unique idea that can then be commercialized. So it's, it's, we're in a super, super interesting moment. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought up some of the thornier issues that many people don't want to talk about because, um, well, if, especially if you're a lawyer, they start to make you want to cry <laughs> from what I oh understand. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how, do you, how do you handle this stuff, right? So this has been a really, really amazing chat. Thank both, thanks both of you, um, Portrait XO and Nomi, for joining me and going down this, uh, taking a little um, slightly spooky walk through the uncanny valley. Um, and we, you know, if... I will definitely put some more information about your work, uh, Portrait XO, in the show notes so people can go and check it out and experience it for themselves and hopefully um, maybe even try out some creative AI themselves in their own work, whatever that may be. But I really appreciate you both taking the time to join me. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.